Hi, you're listening to Koldodi Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website at koldodi.org or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com forward slash Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, so also may they be one in us, so the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given to me and I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them and you in me. That they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me. Love them as you have loved me. So what is the fruit of being one, being a God, being community? This amazing community. The height or the pinnacle of the early believers was in Acts. At the end of Acts chapter 2, um, just in case you guys want to... Uh, Come to our Haveroth in Mount Juliet. We're actually studying this right now. Shameless plug. <laughs> Acts 
chapter 2, starting at verse 42. They were devoting themselves to the teaching of the emissaries and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. Fear lay upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were happening through the emissaries. And all who believed were together, having everything in common. They began selling their property and possessions and sharing them with all, as any had need. Day by day, they continued with one mind, spending time at the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were sharing meals with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day, the Lord was adding to the number of those being saved. So why did Yeshua pray that we be one? Two reasons. One, he said it in his prayer, so that the world may know that God sent him, that sent Yeshua. Number two, so the Lord can add to the number those being saved. So we cannot fully measure the strength of Messiah's community. The strength of the community is up to us. This makes it really hard, right? Especially when people leave and you have no idea why. They come in, we love them, we see them for a little while. And then they're gone. What happened to so-and-so? It breaks our hearts. And it causes a lot of us to put up walls, you know, within our own community. Who we let into our heart. So one, two things here. One, we have a responsibility to go to one another if we have an issue. It's laid out in Matthew 18. Don't just leave. Come talk to us. We're open books. Amen? I trust that you are too. Number two, if we're on the other end of this, we have to be open to rebuke, correction, and be repentant. You know, Francis laid out, you know, last week we all make mistakes. Teshuvah, we repent, we move on. And we own it. And we apologize apologize to those that we have hurt. So I'm just going to leave it with uh, Ephesians 4.30. Do not grieve the Ruach HaKodesh of God, the Holy Spirit, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, and quarreling, slander, along with all malice. Instead, be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God Messiah so the Brit Hadashah lays out guidelines for complete community. We just have to follow it. The Lord will then add to our number and also believe God sent Yeshua. Amen? I want to talk about a little about Thanksgiving and also that we are a people, uh, a, a miracle people of prayer. We are a miracle people of prayer and Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So, Father, just thank you for this amazing time of worship and continue to speak to us now. Continue to speak to our hearts as you already have through the word, through worship. Continue to speak to us through the word uh, now. Uh, open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word. Gal enai. Gal enai ba'avita niflaot me'toro techa b'shem Yeshua. 
Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Crystal already led us in that beautiful song, Hodu, Ladonai, Kitov, Kileolam, Chasdo. And, uh, and we, amen. We, we thank the Lord, give thanks to the Lord. Uh, you know, we always, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says, we always give thanks to God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers, continually remembering before our God our, and Father your work of faith. Three things, 1 Thessalonians 1, three things, your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness, your steadiness of hope. And they're all, the key to those, they're all in our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. They come from Him. They're in Him. That's the only way we are able to have a work of faith, a labor of love, and our steady, steadfastness of hope. It's in our Messiah, Yeshua. And he says, we know, brothers and sisters, Paul says, we know you are loved by God. And you are, each one of you here this morning. We thank God for you. We really do. Um, and you are loved by God, and you are chosen. Just like Paul said to the Thessalonians, uh, we can say that of, of each of, of us. I say that of you today. You are loved by God and chosen, and we thank God for you. And why do we thank the Lord? You know, why do we thank the Lord? This phrase, Hodu Ladonai Kitov, is actually 10 times in the Tanakh, in the, in the Hebrew Bible. It's only seven words in Hebrew. It's a lot more, I think, maybe 14 in in uh, English, seven words in Hebrew, <clears throat> Psalm 106, Psalm 107, Psalm 118, 136, and other places. Why do we thank him? Well, we thank him for his, chaz, his chesed, his chesed, chazdo, your loving kindness. That word chesed, let's say the word chesed, 40, 248 times in the Tanakh, uh, in the Hebrew Bible, chesed, it means it's, it's a hard word to define, but it's one of the best, greatest Hebrew words. It's God's grace. And it's really his total devotion to our needs, his loyal covenant love and his kindness. Now, Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. Colossians 3.15 says, be thankful. The Greek word, uh, see if I can read my Greek here, eucharistos, eucharistos, means to be grateful for his grace. It's, it's the same, really, idea as his chesed. Be thankful, be thankful, his chesed towards us. And toda, you know, if you say thank you in Hebrew, toda, right? Let's say toda. Uh, it's the Hebrew word yada. By the way, uh, uh, hodu, hodu is also hodu, if you say hodu with the accent on the first syllable, what's hodu in Hebrew? Turkey, toiki, you got to have a toiki for Thanksgiving, right? Yada, the root of this word for thanks is, means to project upward, to project upward, also, or to, also to confess. And interesting, yad, yad is hand, right? Two of those Hebrew letters, yad from yada, all right, the first two letters. So let's do that. Let's put our hands, let's... Project our hands upward. We're giving thanks to the Lord. We're using our hands. We're projecting upward. It's all connected. You know, we lift our hands. I'm gonna, I remember the first time I, I was in a, a charismatic service as, a, as a, a believer, you know, and I lifted my hands. It was a, a new, you know, new thing to me. You know, Psalm 63, lift your hands to the Lord. I think it's in Psalm 63. It was new to me. 
You don't have to do it, but it's one way of praising the Lord. It's to, but, but this is interesting because we're, we're, we're showing, I, I think it shows our dependence upon God. It's showing we're, Lord, I'm looking toward you. I'm dependent upon you. Uh, I need you. Now, two men, <clears throat> two men were walking home together in bad weather, in really bad weather. And they had a long way to go. And the, it was a blizzard, and the blizzard was fierce, blowing snow and sleet into their faces. I hope that doesn't happen soon, but it may. And chilling these men to the bone. And one man uttered the whole way, It's terrible! I can't stand it anymore! Nobody could imagine anything worse than this. And the other man replied, I can. Just imagine walking in such weather with someone who's complaining the entire time. <laughs> Some people make the best of bad circumstances. Other people just compound them and make them worse. And, you know, some people are grateful, and I guess another way to say it is some people are gripeful, <laughs> always complaining. And really, it's true. It just is just the worst thing to be with someone who's always complaining. But it's so good to be around someone who's seeing the best of things and just making the best of even worse situation. And perhaps you've heard this teaser. Uh, you can, if you can start the day without caffeine, if you can always be cheerful, ignoring aches and pains, if you can resist complaining and boring people with your troubles, if you can eat the same food every day and be grateful for it, if you can understand when your loved ones are just too busy to give you any time, if you can take criticism and blame without resentment, if you can conquer tension without medical help, if you can rela relax without alcohol, if you can sleep without the aid of drugs, then you probably are the family dog. <laughs> it's a cute one. Or uh, remember the story of, of the ten lepers. You know, it's really, as we know, uh, many of us know that we're, you know, Jewish, study from Jewish perspectives, you know, that it's really, they were really men with sa'arat, sa'arat, uh, which is uh, sara'at, which is a, uh, it was a skin disease, similar to leprosy, but not exactly leprosy. But these men that were afflicted with this skin condition, this, this uh, terrible skin condition, in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, that story where they cried to Yeshua. Remember, they were, they, with a loud voice, you know, Yeshua, they said, have mercy on us, have rachamim, have mercy on us, help us, you know, uh, and staying at a distance as they should because they, not to contaminate him. And Yeshua told them to go to the priests and to send them to the Kohanim, to the priests, as, as Leviticus said, as the Torah to prescribed. And as they went, what happened? They were, yeah, they were healed. They were cleansed or healed. And how many came back to thank him? One. One, yeah, just one came back, remember? One came back. And he says that phrase, where are the nine? Where are the nine? Where are the nine? This, just this Samaritan came back. The others were evidently probably Jewish. And the others didn't come back. And just the Samaritan came back and fell at his feet and thanked, you know, and, and thanked him. And he said, go and your, you know, your, your, your faith has made you well. Just one showed th gratitude. The rest just forgot about it and went on. And so easy for us to just forget what God has done when things, you know, and that's why 
it's so important to show our thanks. Well, let me a little give a, what about this holiday of Thanksgiving that we've just had uh, gone through uh, this, just a little history about it. Uh, while, the, while we're quite certain that America's first Thanksgiving holiday took place in 1621, a few months or a year, perhaps a year, after the first Puritan refugees first landed on the shores of Cape Cod, Massachusetts, it did not become a national holiday until much later. Now, Elias Boudinot was a New Jersey congressman, president of the Continental Congress, and founder and pr first president of the American Bible Society. And he had a passion for God's word. On September 25, 1789, Boudinot declared before the U.S. House of Representatives that prayer and thanks were due to God for America's existence, stating that he could, could quote, not think of letting the session pass over without offering an opportunity to all the citizens of the United States of joining with one voice in returning to Almighty God their sincere thanks for the many blessings he had poured, out, poured down upon them, unquote. And although many members of the House dismissed this his proposal, Boudinot stuck, Boudinot stuck by it. Almost two weeks later, President George Washington warmed to the idea. On October 3rd, 1789, Washington distributed a Thanksgiving proclamation uh, to the governors of the states calling for the institution of a national day of prayer and thanksgiving for Thursday the 26th of November to be devoted by the people of these United States, I'm giving some excerpts here, whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and humbly to implore his protection and favor, a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed to the service that, uh, to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, offering our prayers and supplications, I'm giving excerpts from it, to the great Lord and ruler of the nations, to beseech him for, to pardon our national and other transgressions. So it wasn't just thanksgiving, it was also prayer and supplication to the Lord. Thanksgiving only became followed, however, as a regular annual, annual holiday in 1863, thanks in large part to a woman named Sarah Josepha, Josepha Hale, editor of America's most popular journal, G uh, Gaudi's, Lady Gaudi's, Lady's Journal, and her persistent appeals to President Lincoln. And here are some excerpts from Lincoln's proclamation. We are prone to forget the source from which our blessings come. It says, the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever watchful providence of Almighty God. No human counsel has devised, nor has any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, has nevertheless remembered mercy. A day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwells in the heavens. He talks about humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience. This is through the civil, after the Civil War. 
implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it. So what a, what a history Thanksgiving has. There's much more on it, and there's a lot of interesting involvement. So historically, praise, prayer, and penitence. All of this. Praise, prayer, and penitence. The Puritans actually first doing it, one section I read, it was more like Yom Kippur. You know, we always read it was more like Sukkot, maybe the first uh, Sukkot, but actually I read it was more like they parent because they, they were very familiar with the Jewish calendar, the Hebrew, Hebrew holidays, the Jewish holidays, more like Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement in repentance, in, in, in seeking God's favor and in, in seeking him and turning to God. So very interesting holiday. Next week we play Iran in the World Cup. We need to stand with the players who stood in protest. Now I want to win any time a U.S. team plays. We, we're rooting for our U.S. team, of course. You know, um, it's been very hard. You know, I haven't watched any of the World Cup yet just because it's, it's, and it's hard to, usually I'm really all gung-ho on it, but it's hard to, because this time, because the World Cup shouldn't even be in Qatar based on how they treat migrant workers, women, and other, other groups of people. Um, and, uh, and you know, violate human rights. So it's really a, a tough thing this year, uh, how that it, that it shouldn't be there. But, but we need to stand with the, I don't know if you know, the, Iran, the Iranian team, they stood, they, they wouldn't sing their national anthem in protest uh, because of the, what's going on to produce, they're trying to make regime, regime change in Iran. How many know about that? These, these guys are risking their lives. They're gonna, so they're protesting and they're gonna go back to Iran and probably be thrown in jail for, for in, in prison. Lord, we just pray for these, these guys. We pray for these um, players, Lord God, that are, that are just caught in the, such a, a position, Lord, in that uh, as they're, uh, you know, and for all those the Iranian people or the Persian people as they, um, as they uh, are, are trying to just make, want this change. And we pray this would produce a change, Lord. They really be the, be the catalyst, the thing that really brings about a change and freedom in that country, oh God. And freedom, thank you for the revival. We know many are coming to faith in Yeshua, in Jesus, Lord, in Iran. Lord, there's many, a great underground movement, Lord, of many believers. And we pray, Lord, for you to strengthen that the, the believers there, even now, Lord, and help us to be a part in any way we can, Lord, as freedom comes to that country in Yeshua's name. Amen. Shifting on to quickly to Isaac and Rebekah, chapter 25 in the parasha, verses 20 and 21. I just want to look at three verses here. It says in verse 20 that Isaac was 40 years old when he took for himself Rebekah, Rivka, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. So Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. Today there are three main, evidently three main types of treatment for infertility. Fertility medicines, surgical procedures, and assisted conce conception uh, through such means as artificial insemination or in vitro fertilization. But the Bible does point out a very powerful one. We pray. We called prayer, right? And we have Abraham and Sarah. We have Isaac and Rebekah. We have later Jacob and Rachel. All three couples faced with the challenge of infertility. God gives this woman to Isaac here 
and she's unable to have a child. Now, in all of our lives, God gives us a challenge, and he allows, he allows an obstacle in our life so that we need him and so that we pray to him and so that he can answer. There's no record, by the way, that Abraham ever prayed for Sarah and her condition, nor that Jacob ever prayed for Rachel and hers. But we have here a beautiful, beautiful record that Isaac did pray for Rebekah. And it says in verse 21, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. I, and Adonai answered his plea for his wife, Rebekah, and she became pregnant. But the children struggled with one another inside her, and she said, if it's like this, why is this happening to me? And so she prayed. She went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord spoke to her. So Isaac prayed on behalf of Rebekah, and the Lord answered his cry. Rebekah prayed, and God answered her. An impasse, prayer, an answer. Again, the cycle repeats. This is God's plan in life. We come to an impasse, we seek him, he answers. Another impasse, and we seek him, and it answers. Isaac prayed. The Hebrew word here, there's two different words. The Hebrew word is the root. I'm giving you the root, atar. Atar is the root. It means to press strongly towards a goal, to move forcefully. And then the next one is darash. Let's say darash. Rebecca's prayed in verse 22. It means to seek thoroughly. Darash, to seek thoroughly, to inquire, investigate, to search. Isaac prays for divine intervention, for God to act. I need a miracle. Rebecca prayed for divine illumination. I need understanding. I need a revelation. Isaac pressed forcefully, and Rebekah sought thoroughly. In other words, both of them were active. He, Isaac didn't press. It wasn't timid, and it wasn't weak. Rebekah wasn't sluggish, wasn't bland. It was thorough. It was, his was, for, it was, his was uh, strong. Yeshua said men ought always to pray. A person ought always to pray and not to what? Yeah, not to faint, not to give up, not to be discouraged, not to lose heart. Don't give up. There's no giving up with prayer. There's no giving up with prayer. Pray without ceasing, it says. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Think of the Psalms. When we go to the Psalms, seek, pray, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open. Seek and you shall find. Go to God. Don't give up. There's no quitting with prayer. There's no stopping. There's no giving up. What do you need today? A miracle? You need God to act? What do I need? Do I need God to intervene? A revelation? Do I need understanding? I don't know what's going on, like she says. What's going on? What's happening? Do I need God to show me what's going on? Do I need both of them? Well, God can do the impossible. May he do the impossible, the unfathomable. May he show me what's hidden, what's unknown. Isaac married at 40. And guess how old Rebecca was when she gave birth? 60. 20 years before the prayer was answered. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 through 37. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance. You have need of patience. So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, that's divine perspective. It's just a little while as far as God sees. It seems a long while to us. Yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. God says, it's my time, it's my schedule, it's my way, not yours. And remember, remember this, his plan is always better. Let me repeat, his plan is always, always better. Hebrews 11, 39 and 40, they didn't even receive, they did not, it says they did not receive what was promised. Why? Because God provided something better. Better. God provided. They didn't receive. All those heroes, those people in that faith chapter, in that particular group, they didn't receive. Some did. Some did. But others didn't receive what was promised. Why? God had provided something better. He knows what's best. He knows what's best. Don't give up on God because he doesn't answer it your way or your time, don't give up. God, but God does answer, but his way. He said to her, two nations are in your womb, in verse 23, I'm not gonna even get into that. Seven miracle mothers in the Bible, and I've finished with this. Seven miracle mothers, who are they? Sa Sarah, in the Tanakh, in the, in the Hebrew Bible, Sarah, mother of, of who? Sarah, mother of? Isaac, very good. Rebecca, mother of Jacob and Esau. Very good. Rachel, mother of, this is tougher. Very good. Joseph and Benjamin. Oh, I got the scholars here. Joseph and Benjamin. All right, here's one. Manoah's wife. I don't think it mentions her name. We don't know her name. What's that? Samson. Right. Very good. Shimshon. Samson. Manoah's wife. All right, one more in the Tanakh I have. Hannah. Samuel, Shmuel, Samuel, mother of Samuel, the prophet. All right, and then in the new covenant, the new covenant, the Brit Hadashah, we have Elizabeth, mother of, and then Miriam, the mother of Yeshua, the Messiah, okay? The mother of, well, she wasn't, in, but she was, but it was a miracle birth, miracle birth. He wasn't infertile, but she had a miracle birth. God, let me, so I close with this. God is showing why? God is showing that the Jewish people are a miraculous people only preserved through the divine hand of intervention in response to prayer. Prayer. And the Messiah, the greatest intervention of all, the seed of the woman who will crush the head of the serpent, Genesis 3.15, and be born of an Alma, a virgin, whose name will be called Im. Emmanuel, right, Emmanuel, with us is God. Emmanuel, with us is God. Isaiah 7, 14. God is a God who does the impossible. And we are meant, all of us that know him, Jew and Gentile, of course, to be a miracle people. We are a miracle people. Amen? Amen? Father, we just thank you, O oh God, for these truths. Thank you. We are a miracle people. You are a God who does, and we need you. We do need 
miracles. We do need revelations. We need you to speak, you to do, act. Lord, we're, help, we're, we're unable apart from you. We're dependent on you. We thank you that you are faithful and true. Amen. Adonai ve Yishmael.
Bishem Yeshua, 